Great. Thanks so much, Ms. Francis. That was awesome. And as you guys are, she wasn't being dramatic, standing near the piano. Uh, she, she hurt, you hurt your foot? This, this, oh, your knee. I'm so sorry to hear, hear that. But she did a great job, especially uh, following through with, with that scene. That was a tremendous job. And, and also, I do uh, want to say thank you so much to all the people who decorated our church for Christmas. Can we just give them a hand? I have no idea who, who, who actually did that. This is beautiful. And I like the little touch, I like the little street lamp and all that kind of stuff and everything. Makes me want to, I might preach underneath that here in just a second. But, uh, but yeah, it, it looks good, right? It, it does look, look good. That means you know who didn't do it. Yeah, that, that's right. That's, 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 how, that's how you, you know. Anyway, uh, open up to uh, Hebrews chapter 10, if, if you would. And speaking of decorate, um, I had a little blessing I found uh, in my office this morning. Uh, a bunch of my students and maybe even some parents involved there as well decided to leave me a little, uh, uh, like, like it was like a thank you, it was a love gift, uh, all these like little encouraging notes, but they did it kind of in a creative way, and my, uh, they used the theme of my tr- tremendous love, um, aka hatred for cats, uh, and, and, and all that. It was, uh, it was great. It was an awesome thing. I, I, I should have brought some pictures or something, but, but I didn't, didn't include that, uh, but it was great. So thank you so much for, for that, uh, students. Y'all are, y'all are the best. It definitely blessed me, um, but yeah, and, uh, and speaking of being, being thankful, you know, being, being thankful, we've just uh, ended Thanksgiving season and, and kind of reflected on a lot of the stuff that, that we've kind of been thankful for, uh, thankful for, for, for family, thankful for to be able to spend time, uh, thankful for, for things that uh, we don't even really deserve, like the, just the abundance of, of food. Anybody overeat this past week? You know, like, yeah, absolutely, lots of stuff to repent from. Uh, still, we, you know, with the leftovers, you know, all, all the things. Uh, thankful for just being able to hang out and, and have fun. Uh, I had a lot of fun yesterday. I actually, get, I actually got to see, and, and I didn't even know that this was possible, um, but it was the coolest thing. I saw a chicken eat a tiger yesterday. It was amazing. Did anybody else see that? It was on TV for like a couple hours, you know. It, it, was, it was incredible. It was just the craziest thing. <laughs> so, anyway, it was great. <laughs> All right. So, uh, anyway, we'll, we'll we'll actually get to God's word here. Okay, uh, Hebrews chapter ten, uh, and we're actually going to be looking at um, uh, verse twenty-three. But but real, but real quickly, actually, before we even get get into it, and you kind of see highlighted there, and what we're talking about, we we lit the candle for. We're talking about this thing called hope, right? And you hear the word hope. We talk about hope a lot. We, we have this thing called, called hope that, that we use in just our everyday life. And, uh, and you, you say hope, I say hope, you know, in a lots of just kind of casual ways. You know, like, like whenever it came to Thanksgiving, you know, you, you got your main course and you loaded up on, on that and you were already looking at the dessert table as you're loading up and you're already thinking to yourself, man, I hope there's some of that pie left you know, whenever I finally get up there. Or if you're like me, you go ahead and load up on the main course and go straight to the dessert table and load up on both because, you know, you're proactive like that, right? And, and we use the word hope. Like, man, I hope that that's actually what's, what's going to happen. Man, I hope my ball team comes back, you know, from that terrible, terrible loss. Uh, 
yesterday. Of course, my ball team won, so I don't even know what y'all, y'all, y'all are talking about. Um, uh, but yeah, you, you just, we, we say the word hope in a lot of casual ways, but a lot of times it's more just kind of wishful thinking, right? Like we just, you know, I hope that this is going to happen. I hope that that's going to happen. And that's not usually the case. And what we actually kind of see uh, um, by, by way of looking at the Scripture, go ahead now, and, and this is kind of intro. So Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23, actually says this in a little bit different way um, to where it says, Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And so whenever we see this scope of, of hope, and, and, and this is one of the reasons why I picked this scripture is because we talked about this last week. Um, uh, verse 24 and verse 25, it says, you know, let us not forsake the gathering together as some inhabit are, are doing, but, you know, continuing to meet together to spur each other on towards love and towards good deeds. You know, we, we, talk, we talked about that. But this is the context of what we read last week, talking about this thing called, called hope. And what it actually is. So before we jump in real quick to kind of talk about the importance of hope and what it really kind of, kind of is, let's go and pray and prepare our hearts for what God has to speak to us this morning. Heavenly Father, thank you, God, for this morning. Thank you, God, for hope. Thank you, God, so much for what you have done in our hearts and in our lives. And thank you, God, so much for church family that we can meet and we can gather. But right now, we pray you would open up our hearts and our minds to what you would have us to hear this morning. Uh, from your word and from the context of your word because hope is all over the place God help us Lord to realize how big this thing really is and how important it is in our lives but then also to get from it what you would have and to apply it the way that you would have us to to our hearts this morning God, we love you we give this to you in Jesus name amen all right, so yeah, so hope, and, and again, we, we do kind of use that more just kind of very casual form like, like I said, I use it all the time you know, I say I hope, and, and, and I hope, and a lot of times what I'm talking about isn't really hope. And so there's a simple kind of definition. Uh, go ahead, the next slide there. Um, that is, is, is kind of more like the Webster's Dictionary kind of definition, dictionary.com. This is what it'll kind of tell you, and it's, it's, not, it's not bad. Um, it's so much more than just wish, wishful thinking. It says, you know, a feeling of expectation and desire for something to happen. That's what hope um, can, can kind of be. And and the thing is, in kind of more of the biblical issue with it, is this thing of just a feeling. It, it's, it is a feeling. I mean, it really is. If you really feel hopeful about something, like it comes across emotionally. You feel it, right? Um, even if it is for something small and something silly about your ball team or food or, or something like that, it, it, it's still a feeling, right? It, it, it does affect you emotionally. It affects us all emotionally. But it's so much more than that. And if you look at Scripture, and this is what I got actually from uh, a little deeper definition uh, from uh, the, the, the Bible dictionary that I, that, that I have, I kind of piece things together. And from whenever we look at Scripture and we look at something, it's so much more than just that, that feeling. This is really what true hope, biblical hope, really kind of is. Whenever you put it all together, if you take all the passages about hope, how it talks about hope, the way that it's talking about, the things that it's talking about in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23, Something that's actually worth holding on to, being steadfast towards, and not letting go of. That's not wishful thinking. That's not something small. And it's something so much more than just a feeling. It's this. It's that trustful and confident expectation 
and anticipation, something that you know is going to happen, of the fulfillment of God's promises. Because that's what it all hinges on. Not what you and I necessarily want to happen, though sometimes we do put our hope in those things, or even maybe what you and I feel needs to happen. Because sometimes that can be the case too. If you're praying about something, you're, you're wanting something to happen, and you really feel like, like, of course, that would be God's will, and you're, and you're praying for this thing to happen, it's more than that. It's actually it's what we can see from what we find in God's Word, looking at His actual promises, the things that, like, I don't need to pray whether or not that's God's will to happen. He said he's going to send a Savior. It happened. Fulfillment. He said that he's coming again. Now we are waiting for that to happen. We're longing for that to happen. That's what can happen. He also says those who trust in him, he will draw near to them if they just draw near to him. That's a promise in God's word that, that if we do that, he will be there and he will never leave us nor forsake us. That's a promise. Those are things that we can lean on. So it's so much more than just these little kind of whimsical come and go just feelings or even the deep desire of, of things and, 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 and all that. It is a trustful and confident because it's a whole lot different to hope for something that you're just not sure about, right? But to actually have confidence in it because of who God is and the fact that he's already kept so many promises to you and I in the past, we can be confident in that. In anticipation of it. In fact, it's like, I know it's coming. It's like, I don't even know that it will happen. I know it's going to happen. It's right there because God has promised it. More than just what I want to happen, it's actually what is going to happen. But then also we look again at some kind of biblical insight, a biblical explanation. In Romans 8, 24 through 25, it says, says this, For in this hope, talking about hope, we are saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope for who hopes for what he sees. But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. And so what this is kind of talking about is this, is this next statement and kind of helps us filter things a little bit better and exactly what, what, what hope is. It says hope is always a present application of trust for a future promise. Otherwise, it's not hope. It, it's Now, we can still trust in that moment, but if we're actually standing face-to-face with the fulfillment of what you and I are you know, wanting or, or desiring, then we don't have to hope for it. It's there, Right? I, we didn't have to, you know, like, man, I hope whenever I show up on, on Sunday, the church is decorated for, for Christmas, because it's what we do after Thanksgiving every single year, right? Like, some of us had that thought, like, like I wonder if it's going to be decorated. We kind of hope for it. We don't have to hope for it, right? Like, it's done. We're looking at it, right? Like, it's there. We don't have to hope for Jesus to come, to die on the cross for our sins, to come in the, we don't have to hope for that anymore, as they did in the Old Testament times whenever they were looking for it, right? It's It's happened. We don't have to hope for that. But then there's other things that you and I now, it's like you know, the, dealing with this life, dealing with what's, what's to come, the very promises of God, the other things that we're kind of looking for to see fulfilled in, in, in our lives and the lives of the people that we're praying for, other hopes and other things that we're kind of looking at. That's the things that, that we hope for. But if it's right there, then it's not really hope. And what this verse in Romans 8 is actually saying, and also, too, if we even see it at all, it's not, it's not, it's not hope. It's always that, that, that present application now of that trust now for what's to come in the future. You guys kind of get, get that? Where, you know, 
I can't necessarily hold it. I can see it. I can anticipate it. I can even read it, but it's still not happened. So now I'm just going to trust. Now I'm going to trust. Now I've got to put my trust in that. And that shapes how I actually truly hope. It's not an empty hope either. Otherwise, that also is not actually hope. Now sometimes our emotions come in, right? Sometimes our doubts, sometimes our our fears do come in, right? That can kind of mess with our hope and our hope level. That can mess with our trust level, right? Like sometimes it's hard to trust. Sometimes it's hard to trust God. Even though we look at Scripture and look at our own lives, we look at the lives of other people, and we can see the testimony of God and His faithfulness, all the things that He's done. And that's hard to sometimes hold on to because our human emotions, our, our human brains get in the way. And our fears kind of come in and our doubts can easily come in and rob us of those things. But if, it's, if our hope is in Christ, then our hope, or at least the, what we do hope in, never changes, right? Christ does not change. He's still our hope. He's always unchanging. He's always present. He's always there. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever, right? So it never actually changes. But what changes is us and how we experience that hope. And that's kind of what I want to talk about a little bit this morning. Obviously, the object of our hope never changes. It's always there. But how you and I experience it always changes, right? Because some days you wake up and you feel it. You're just like, yes, Jesus, and yes, you know, I feel good, absolutely. And then you just have a bad day, or, you know, you get that wrong diagnosis, or that friend calls with that not-so-good news, or you hear that thing, that news from that loved one, or, or they make a terrible decision and it just affects the, the, the whole family, or that event happens, or whatever, and it's like, okay, now I'm having a little harder time. This morning was good, and now not, not so much. Or you've got to work at it. You've got to like remind yourself of those things, of those promises, of, of all that stuff to kind of like, okay, all right, yeah, yeah, all right. The situations, the circumstances, um, the, the, the things that are going around me have changed. But my God is still the same, right? Like nothing has really changed, so therefore I can still hope, even now. I can still trust, even though the circumstances might be a little bit different. And so just to kind of look at just a, just a few things about hope, just to kind of help us out here just a little bit, just got just a few statements just to us to kind of look at in several scripture, because this is not a one scripture topic. You can't do that with the thing of like hope, love, peace, joy, all those things. They're so big and so biblical. The full context of God's word must be used to be able to look at it. And then we're just going to look at a few scriptures this morning on this thing called hope, because it's in there thousands of times, which is so great. Uh, but the first thing is, the first thing that, that we need to kind of really notice is that hope and why we kind of hope is because hope gives life. Why human nature turns towards things of hope and us looking for hope and wanting to hope and, and grabbing on to any kind of glimpse of hope in, in, in things and situations is because whenever we do hope, we find hope or we feel hope, it gives us life. It helps us to live life better. It fills us up. It gives us something that, that we were missing in those moments, in those situations, especially the dark times, right? It just, it's there for us. But whenever we lack it, we can feel it, right? Whenever you feel a lack of hope, whenever you feel that downtime, it comes in like a darkness. And unfortunately, some of us, maybe even in this room, hope is just a thing that you sometimes barely visit. 
But most of the time, you experience just kind of more grim part of life, a little darker side of life. And that's always a reflection of what you're actually truly hoping in and what you're really truly trusting. That's not to come down on you. That's actually to, to say you need to be aware of that why you're feeling the way that you're feeling. It's not because God has let you down. It's because you're not holding on to the trust and the hope that that you need to. And again, not an easy thing to do, but it's something that you and I need because otherwise we don't feel the life and the joy and the hope and the peace and all the things that God has for us. We feel way more darkness. And we see this in in, in Scripture in Psalm 119, 49 through, through 50. It says this. It says, Remember your word to your servant, in which you have made me hope. God's word that comes from him, not ourselves, not our own thinking, not what you and I try to invent invent in our own lives and in our own hearts, what we want to be true, but actually what is true, because God spoke it. This is my comfort in my affliction, that your promises give me life. Not just a life, not just something that we just survive and kind of get through, but something like what John 10.10 was talking about, life and life more abundantly, life to the full, something that's actually worth living. That's what hope gives us. It fills us up in those things. But, but you know, then we look at uh, 1 Chronicles 19 through, through, through 15. It says this, it says, For we are strangers before you, and this is a different kind of context, and sojourners, and all of our fathers were, our days on this earth are like a shadow, and there is no abiding, but it's actually the Hebrew word that's also used for hope. And sometimes people read this context of this, of this verse, and it's talking about oh, like, like a shadow. It's, it's almost like equivalent to like a vapor. It, it's just fleeting. It, and no, actually what it's talking about is actually something that kind of comes in and covers, and covers up light, and covers up something that actually gives you life but it actually covers up that, that light and, and creates, even for a time, a shadow. And that's what a lack of hope does to you and I. It creates the shadow. It covers up the light that God has for us. It covers up that life that, that we so easily can feel whenever we trust in Him, but whenever it's hard to do that, especially because of our circumstances, because of what's going on, or just what we're wrestling with just internally with our feelings and our brains and our, and our thoughts, the things that we even sometimes know better, right? Like, like we even know better, but we just can't help but, you know, but just feel that. And when, whenever we don't deal with it and we give into it and we forget God's promises, we forget the hope that he's given us, it comes in like a shadow. Even just for a moment, it's like a shadow. And it can be dark. So that's why hope is so important. That's why we need to hold on to it. In fact, hope is such a part of our faith and our lives. Paul uses it, at least on a couple of occasions, just to introduce a letter to individuals within the ministry to make sure that they knew and understood how important this hope really is. In Titus chapter 1, uh, verses 1 through 2, it says that this is Paul speaking. It says, Paul, a servant of God, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to further the faith in God's elect and their knowledge of the truth that leads to godliness in the hope of eternal life, which God, who does not lie, promised before the beginning of time. So again, talking about these promises, talking about the things that God has spoken and that he has fulfilled and he will always fulfill. That's what God does. He's a promise maker and he's a promise 
keeper. If he makes the promise, he's going to keep the promise. It might not always happen on our timetable or necessarily the way that you and I would like it to, right? And sometimes it messes with our comfort level. Sometimes it messes with our timetable. Sometimes it messes with just, you know, what's going on in the situations of of our lives and we've got to adjust things. But he's still going to be faithful to that. And he's talking about like this hope of eternal life. There are certain things that you and I hope for and our greatest hope the thing that we actually kind of look at. There are things in your life and in my life we tend to gravitate towards things the most. There's several things, relational stuff, all kinds of stuff, but there's at least a few things that we can kind of see from this scripture and a couple, couple others that we really look towards. And number one, the first thing that we need to look at that we really, you, know, you and I hope in the most is God himself. The first blank is just God the fact that you know, there is, first of all, a God who does exist, that is true. But more than just that, not just a God who exists, but also a God who really does care about you and me. A God who actually not only cares about you and me, but sees where you and I are. Sees us in our affliction. Sees us in the pain that we are in. Uh, the scripture that was read this morning you know, talked about this wonderful counselor, this, this person who is a person of hope and peace the one who actually looked down at humanity, a God who was there up in heaven, not distancing himself, but actually said and recognized they need a Savior. They need hope. They need something to hope in, and that is me, their God, their creator, the one who put them where they are. But more than just that, someone who can give them eternal hope. And that's what I'm here to give them. That's the God that you and I have. Not just some, you know, grandfather-looking kind of figure who's up there in heaven in a rocking chair with a lightning bolt ready just to strike people down, you know, all that. Like, like that's almost like this kind of weird, you know, like cartoonish figure of, of God. That's not the way God is. He is the eternal creator. Yes, he is all-powerful. Yes, he could squash you and I with just a mere thought if he wanted to, right? That's how powerful and how awesome God is. But he's also a loving father who cares about us. That's the God that we hope for. That's what humanity essentially is longing for. Meaning, but more than just meaning, but also am I even cared about? Am I even concerned about? That's what humanity is looking for, and that's the hope that you and I, if we are indeed in Christ Jesus, that's who our hope is placed in. That's the God that you and I hope in. Not some distant creator, not some you know, outstretched hand keeping us you know, there, but someone who draws us in and fulfills what it is that you and I deeply need at the deepest level. And in fact, he not only gives hope, he is our hope. In 1 Timothy 1.1, again, talking about what, you know, introducing just the thought to like an individual, he includes this. Uh, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the command of God, our Savior, and Christ Jesus, our hope. He's not only who we hope in, he is our hope. God is not only who we hope in, he is our hope. He's also love, right? 1 John 4, God is love. And then you look at like verses like 1 Corinthians 13 that talks about what love really is. You can replace love with God, the word God. That's who God is. He is patient. He is kind. He is not self-seeking. He's all those things. But he's also hope. So anytime you think about what hope really is, if hope gives life, God gives life. If hope gives you joy and helps create this, this peace, 
It is God who's doing that in your life and in my life. It doesn't just happen. We don't manufacture it. God gives it, and he is it. Then also, the, the next thing, you know, especially what we saw in, in, uh, in Titus there, is the next thing that we really look for and really hope for is eternal life. Because not only you know, does he see us in our affliction, but then also promises us what's to come. So whenever we hope, what, what we're longing for, you know, is there a point to it all? You know, is there a way back to salvation? I know that I'm a sinner. You know, how, how can I deal with that? He, he gives us what it is that, that, that we need in Christ Jesus, not just to just survive, but to know that we've got something to long for. We've got heaven. We've got eternity. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have what? Everlasting life. That's what it's, that's what it's about. That's what the hope is for. Not just this warm, fuzzy feeling to get you through the day, but to have something really to long for. And in fact, the reason why I put this in the order that it is, it's God first. You realize the greatest thing in heaven isn't just the fact that you and I will be in heaven. And, and by the way, whenever you get to heaven, being surprised about the other people who also made it there as, as, as well, you know, as great as all, as, as all that is and as important as it is, because it's, it's on the list, right? The biggest thing is God. Whenever we get to heaven, it's going to be God himself. God is going to be the light of all heaven. There's no need for a son anymore. There's not even going to be any need for even a Bible anymore because the word is going to be right in front of us. It's going to be fulfilled. All right there. So it's God first. He's what's most important. But then he also says, but I'm also willing to allow you to spend eternity with me, which is what I wanted from the very beginning. And I created a way for you to come back to me, even though I gave you the the ability to choose me or to not choose me. And your sinful nature continually chooses not me, but I've made a way back through my son Jesus. And all you have to do is to believe and trust in him and take what he did for you on the cross as a substitute for you. And you can experience this eternal life, this hope, this thing that you cannot get on your own. But even with that in mind, this is also even more than that, more than just even just eternal life, we still have this life to live, right? And that's the thing that he gives us next. The next thing that we hope for is just a better life. And for some reason, sometimes Christians pull back on that as if to say, oh, no, we we don't need to be handing that out. I'm not talking about sinless perfection. I'm not talking about prosperity gospel junk. Okay, that's not what I'm talking about, right? I'm just talking about the fact that if you follow Jesus, are you going to make better decisions or worse decisions? You're going to make better decisions, right? At least I hope so. If you're not making better decisions, I can tell you who you're not following. Okay, I'm going to go and just tell, tell you that. That's not, that's not to be mean, but I'm just telling you, if you're making bad decisions one after another, you're not following Jesus. You're just, you're just not, Okay. But if you follow Jesus and you make those decisions based on his will, what's right, what's best, not just for you, but other people, all those things, are you going to experience like better consequences or worse consequences? Better every time, right? So is that going to make your life better or worse? Always better. Always better. So if you're leaning in on that hope, you're leaning in on on God as your Savior, the very giver of hope, then through that you have eternal life, looking forward to what's to come. And that's at the center of your heart, but also understanding that He's given you this life now as something to steward, to look at, and also to be used by Him for the benefit of others who do not know Him. 
Let your light shine before the world that they may see your good deeds. Matthew 5, 16. Anybody heard that? That's what it's, what it's about. It's not about us, right? So if we do that, all that it does, the, the byproduct of that is just a better life. Now, does it mean that bad things just stop happening? No. Does it mean that sorrow still won't come? No. It's, it's still, it still happens, right? And there's a time for all those things, and it's, it's, it's going to happen, but then in the midst of all that sorrow, in the midst of all the chaos, in the midst of all the stuff that's happening that you and I don't really seek towards, all, all the stuff in life that's, that's not so great, in the midst of all that, we still have a hope of a God who loves us and cares about us. A hope of what's to come, the eternity, beyond this life, which is temporary, Right? And then through that, we actually experience more peace and more joy, even in the midst of all the junk, which makes life better. That's what it's about. And that's what hope does. It just gives us and it fills us. It just keeps giving. But unfortunately, because of that, we've just got to understand that hope can sometimes be easily misplaced. Right? Sometimes you and I hope in some of the silliest things. We do that relationally, we do that with things, we do that with jobs, we do that with, with money and finances, and there's several things that, that, that we can kind of look at in Scripture, they won't be up on the screen, but, but, uh, but just a few things in uh, Psalm 59, 52, Proverbs 11, Isaiah 32, we see this huge warning about putting our hope in money, in things, possessions. The Bible warns us, God warns us about those things, but yet you and I can easily do that, can't we? You know, if you lose, you know, like a loved one or something like that, like it's totally different. But sometimes we have the same reaction whenever we lose, like, our car, you know, or something like that, or like our boat, or, you know, some, just random stuff. Like, like, we just act like, oh, it's the worst thing ever. You ever seen people just, like, all distraught because their ball team lost? You know, I joked around about Clemson and Carolina. Like, I, I don't have a dog in, the, in that fight. I really don't care. I just like messing with Clemson people, all right? Carolina people have been way too easy to mess with. Clearly, it's been eight years you know, since they've won against them. So, you know, uh, but <laughs> still, it's, you know, but sometimes that shapes people's whole week. Like, why are you in, you in a bad mood? Oh, you, have you seen so-and-so today? They're, they're kind of grumpy. And inevitably, sometimes it comes back, oh, well, their ball team lost last, last night. Listen, you can be a fan. It, it, it's fine. You can enjoy it. It can be something that you, but it shouldn't shape your, your, your life. The expression on your face, like for crying out loud. But sometimes it's clear that maybe we're just little, holding on a little too tight to stuff. And not, not, not just ball teams, it, all kinds of things. And it can bring us down and, and it just shows, well, that's probably more where their priorities and their hope, what they were trusting in, was placed and sometimes it's just individually money and things. But then also we see in Psalm 146, Isaiah 31, 2 Kings 18, and many more, those who put their trust in leaders and governments and things going on there. You know, it's, regardless of what country you and I are, are raised in, it's great and we can thank God for it, right? It's not the promised land. This is not God's promised people that's not it. It's what's to come. It's heaven. It's eternity with Him where God is at the center. It's not any kind of world system that you and I can build. It's not some individual that we vote on or don't vote on. It has nothing to do with any of that kind of stuff. 
Our hope is in God alone, in Jesus Christ alone. Because I'm telling you, that person, regardless of where they're standing, regardless of what country you're living in, they're going to fail you. They're going to let you down. It's a part of human nature. It doesn't matter how much I love my wife. I'm going to let her down. Because I am not her savior. And she knows that. And she can shake her head and say, yes, I know that. Yes, absolutely. And you are preaching so much truth this morning. Like she's about to shout hallelujah. Right? Because <laughs> she's about to get Pentecostal. It's like we know that stuff, right? That person beside you, regardless of how much they love you, you cannot put your trust in them. You can thank God for them. God can use them in your life. God can use leaders and countries and nations, all that kind of stuff. He can, he can do that. But it's God himself that does it. Not the person. Not the institution. Not the thing that you and I can, can build. Not people. They let us down. We let people down. It's impossible. But sometimes also it's just the things of God. In Jeremiah 7, it talks about you know, the, the warning of hoping in the temple. Even just the things of God. As great as this building is, it's not God. I hope that you know that. It's something we should be thankful for. But also know this too, God's Spirit does not dwell in this. And it's not like hanging out during the week. When you and I are gone, the Spirit of God is also gone. You know that, right? It's like when people say like, oh, uh, like, like you shouldn't say that word because it's a bad word. And you said it in church. You ever heard that before? You probably maybe even said it to somebody before. You know, just to like make them feel extra guilty. Oh, you said that in church. You shouldn't say that in church. You, you mean so, like, if you walk outside the front doors, like, then you can say it? Oh, I can say it, like, ten times now. I'm, out, I'm outside the church. Like, it's like no, that's not how that works either. God's as much there as it is here. Who is the temple of the Holy Spirit? People. People. Where two or more are gathered, there God is in the midst. It has nothing to do with the building. Even in the Old Testament, Jeremiah was saying, it's still not about that. It's about God himself. It's not about a structure. So we need to be careful of where we put our hope, where we place our hope, because they're just things. Things until we get to the eternal things. They're temporary things. And so, thankfully, you know, God does point us towards where our hope actually does come from. If we look at Romans 15, 13, I love this scripture. It's so, so powerful. It says this, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. And so there's kind of like, I don't want to say, and I hesitate in using this word systematic way, and, and what I mean by that, it's not like some formulaic thing that if you do A plus B always equals C because you and I like know that sometimes we have human emotions and, and thoughts and things like that, but we can actually at least somewhat look at Scripture and see what hope is tied into, where it kind of comes from, and what God uses to help produce hope in your life and in my life. Okay, it doesn't necessarily mean we can just make it happen all the time, but it just means that we can count on it through sometimes some, some simple things. So the first thing that we see, hope comes from ultimately God, right? Like we've already established that, right? Like we understand it comes from hope, not from things, not, not from people, but it's powered by the Spirit. What that scripture was talking about was about the Holy Spirit indwelling you and me, his followers and believers. But it's fueled by joy and peace. If you aren't feeling a whole lot of joy in your life, how is your hope level? Probably not pretty good, right? Like, like you're struggling with, with hope if you're struggling with joy. If you're struggling with a sense of peace, 
in your life. Peace as that feeling of, of, of ease, but then also peace as in like the absence of chaos. Like if you're like struggling with, with all that, how is your hope level? It, it, it wanes a little bit, doesn't it? Because it's, it's, it's what happens, it's because we are humans. It's a part of that, that, that thing that's with, within us. And then also we see in Romans uh, chapter 5, verses 2, two through 4, another uh, series of scriptures that I just absolutely love. It says, through him, that's Christ, God, we also have obtained access to faith into this grace which we stand and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Next. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings. So it's easier to rejoice in hope, right? It's easier to rejoice in all those things, but he says we also rejoice in sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance. Endurance produces character, and character produces what? Hope. So should we thank God for the bad times? Some of us are saying yes, and some are saying, well, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know about that, right? And that's hard to do. That's a hard thing. And really, actually, if you look at this context, it doesn't say thank God for the sufferings, does it? Again, Greek is a lot more specific than, than, than English and things are said and, and, and all this. Maybe by the context, we can maybe try to thank God you know, for it, but actually it's a little more clear. We thank God in it, right? That's a whole lot easier for you and I to swallow, right? That's a whole lot easier to do. We don't necessarily thank God for it, we can thank God in the midst of it, though. Because where, where's our hope? In this 70 or 80 years, 90 years that you and I live here? 100 years, maybe? 110, if you're like some world record-breaking person? You know? No, that's not our hope, because it's all temporary. It's all passing anyway. Whenever Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, how much hope did that give to the people who witnessed that? To us, whenever we even read about that story, how much hope does that give us? A lot, right? Did Lazarus stay raised? It was a temporary thing, right? It was just delayed the, the inevitable. If he was around 30, he probably still had another, you know, in, in those days, maybe 20, 30, maybe 40 years. That's it. Then it happened again because it wasn't about keeping him raised in that moment. It was about, no, showing the evidence of who Christ was in that moment and what we can actually long for and look for. Even in the midst of that suffering now, it doesn't matter, it's always temporary. But in the midst of that temporary thing, it builds up this thing called perseverance. And that produces in us because we go through so many hard things. Just like whenever you and I work out, whenever we try to get more in shape about things, you've got to through the arduous suffering, right? Of lifting and walking and running or whatever it is, and it makes you sore. That soreness is a good thing. It means you're getting stronger. You're using those muscles, and it produces something in us, perseverance, where you can keep doing it more and more. Life is the same way. And whenever we allow that process to happen, it produces in you and me this character that God can give us. In other words, the fact that you and I will be truly people who can feel the hope of God. Not fake it, not pretend it, not just put on a fake little Christian-y smile on Sundays, but actually people in the midst of all the junk or in the midst of even the good times, good or bad, this is not what we hope in. We don't hope in people. We don't hope in things. We don't hope in circumstances. We put our hope in the one who never changes, Jesus. He's our hope. But then more than that, 
we can see, you know, that, that it builds up and it builds up and produces this thing, again, that you and I cannot let go of. So if we can put our trust through just the hard times, like in Romans 8, 28, it talks about, you know, that through all things God works for the good. Not because all things are good, but just through those, uh, those things he works. So he ends up building something that you and I cannot get on our own. That's hope. Because again, if it's left up to us, we'd hope in all kinds of silly things, right? And all kinds of things that just are temporary. There's a lot of stuff going on in our church body right now. A lot of stuff that's hard to navigate through, right? But is our hope based on, you know, who's even standing up here preaching? Is our hope in any particular leader? Is our hope in any system of, of breakdown or not breakdown? That's, that's even this, as great as it is, and as much as God uses it for, for his glory. And as much as we need to get it right, I'm not saying that we don't need to, right? But it's not our hope. Our hope is in who? Church answer. Who's our hope in? Jesus. Always Jesus. So, this last statement, just kind of throw, throw it up there on, on the screen, our level of hope for the future says so much about our ability to trust God today. So where's your hope? What are you trusting in? What are you really leaning on? Because if you're feeling a sense of hopelessness or distress and acting like, yeah, we're in devastating times because of this or what, whatever, I think it says more about or less about our circumstances, probably, and more about what we're actually really hoping in and who we're trusting in. Because has that ever changed? It hasn't changed. It's still the same. So just in closing, I just want you to think and just be willing to, to be honest with God maybe in these moments and to say, God, what am I hoping in? Is it my own agendas and my own things, my own wants, my own desires? Or is it truly you? Because if it's in God, that means anything is possible at this level because he can work it. He can redeem it. He can build it back up. He can fix it, whether it's this church, to our individual lives, to relationships, that thing that's happening at work. He's the one who can do it because he never changes. So where's your hope this morning? Let's go and pray. Heavenly Father, thank you, God, so much for the hope that you give, for what we can truly trust in. And we recognize this morning that we are capable people of misplacing our trust and and placing it in all kinds of things that just don't matter. And this morning, maybe there's somebody here this morning that maybe they've been doing a little bit too much of that, that maybe somebody has let them down or a system has let them down, a job has let them down, finances aren't there anymore, maybe their health isn't even there anymore, a circumstance, a situation didn't work out the way that they wanted to, and they feel like, oh, all hope may be lost. I pray that this morning that you would just help them in a loving way to see and to realize who their hope truly needs to be. Correct that in their hearts and in their minds and in their thinking for them to see what they're actually really hoping in and what they need to be hoping in, and that is you, the only one who can truly give hope because you are our hope. Help them, God, to feel that this morning. Encourage them with that this morning. And for those people maybe in this room, they know this. They know all these things, but maybe they're just struggling with that. Give them encouragement this morning, I pray. Because just as you did over 2,000 years ago, God, you fulfilled a promise years ago in bringing your son Jesus 
Emmanuel, God with us to this earth. If you fulfill that promise, so big, something so instrumental, something that you had to orchestrate so many things and circumstances, it'd be providential over so much in the lives of people to work and to, and to make happen, then you can handle what's happening in my life and in somebody else's life. Help them, God, to feel that hope this morning. So God, we love you. We give this to you. Work in our hearts this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, if you guys would please stand. Just in this response time, the altar's open if you just feel like you just need to pray. Obviously, if you need to know Jesus, then that means you need to know true hope. Then I'm here for you this morning to talk to you, to help you through that kind of conversation, to come to know Christ. But otherwise, if you just need to come and pray or just pray exactly where, where you are to lean into the hope that God has for you, do that this morning. And don't uh, allow this time to go by without examining your heart and saying, God, who am I truly trusting in and who am I hoping in? Let's sing.